Hey friends, welcome to Garden Church Podcast. This is a series called Jesus People. We are looking at who Jesus is and how we become more like him. Jesus People are God's strategy for transforming the world. We hope you enjoy this podcast. For more information, go to garden.church. Amen. It's good to be with you on this, the last Sunday of uh, 2023. And... um, uh, looking forward to what God might do. Um, you remember a couple of weeks ago, I was inviting you to consider this Advent uh, reflection. That is that we live between times, that that the um, season of Advent is not kind of pretending Christmas hasn't happened, so we're surprised on December 25th. But the realization that the promise of Christmas has not yet been fulfilled, that the promise of incarnation is that the kingdom would come in its fullness, that, and, and we clearly see that this has not happened yet. So we are still living in the, in the now, but the not yet. And the, the longing for the kingdom to come in fullness is, is still um, uh, stirring our souls. And that's what Advent really ultimately invites us to, to learn how to live uh, between times, between the first and the second coming of Jesus. And, and to realize that the promise of incarnation, the promise of the life of Christ, the promise even of, of, of crucifixion, the promise even of resurrection or of the ascension of Christ has not yet been fully realized. We still live in a world that has yet to be healed of the layers and levels of brokenness. We still live with brokenness in our own souls, longing for for the the righting of the wrongs. And so how do we how do we live with the reality of Christmas so to speak behind us, but with the reality of the return of Jesus not yet fully realized? How do we live in the tension uh, uh, that these times invite us into? And it's that that I'd kind of like to, on this Sunday, address uh, from uh, the book of Ephesians. Paul writes to his friends there, and uh, specifically in, in, in this awareness that there is more to come. We live in that awareness. So, so Paul writes in uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8, He says, once you were in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in goodness and righteousness and truth. So find out what pleases the Lord and have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. Rather, expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. So let everything be exposed to the light and let it become visible so that everything that is illuminated becomes a light. That's why it's said, wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. So be careful how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. So don't don't be foolish. Understand what the Lord's will is. 
Don't get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be being filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your hearts to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and submit yourselves to one another out of reverence for Christ. So how do we live uh, in, in these, the tension of the now and the not yet, in the first, between the first and the second coming of Jesus? And Paul says the first thing we need to do is recognize we don't live in the dark anymore. We, we are, are called out of darkness to live in the light. So the outcome of that ought to be a life that more and more, time after time, reflects light rather than darkness. That, is, that, is, that brings all of the things that characterized our life in the dark, whatever that might be, and brings them increasingly to the place where light can shine not only on them, but in them and through them. This is one of the unique things that Paul brings to the conversation, that the things of which we previously maybe were ashamed or of which we were embarrassed or we hope that nobody ever finds out, he says those very things can become not just things that are brought to the light, but things through which the light can shine to somebody else. And my guess is if we took a survey, some of you have been illumined in your own varying kinds of darknesses by the light shining through somebody else's life when that was, which was once darkness to them and parallels yours has become now a means of revelation. You've discovered that, that like the wounds of Christ to Thomas, that they, the light shines through. The, put your fingers through the holes and you have an awareness of glory through wounds that are healed but not sealed. Wounds that remain open through which light can shine through. And Paul says, don't be surprised when that thing of darkness that, that once characterized your life now becomes a vehicle through which light can shine. But in order for that to happen, he says, you've got to recognize your light in the Lord. You're now a child of light. You might feel that the dimmer switch is turned down a bit, so that's all right. Start to turn it up. Let goodness and um, uh, uh, righteousness and truth increasingly be characteristic of your life. So please notice, Paul is not so concerned about first what we believe as he is concerned that that with, with our alignment to Jesus starts to work itself through in the reproduction of his life in us, of goodness. Not just a passive observer of the, of the, of the passing scene, but someone who actively is a helper somebody who actively does good, somebody whose, whose life is righteousness. That's a hard word for us. We wouldn't necessarily use it to characterize our own journey, uh, it, it, but, but he says the truth, truth of the matter is, guys, you've been called out of darkness to learn how to walk in the light, and the characteristic of light is not just that you do good because you are good, but because you are are and live righteously. Your life increasingly comes into alignment with the character of the Father. This is what it means. We've been talking about this over the last several months about what it means for us to be Jesus people. 
people who in their lives and lifestyles remind others of Jesus who are Christian in the technical sense of that word, not Christian in the sense we can check a box of belief, but Christian in the sense that people who hang around with us take knowledge of us that we've been with Jesus and our lives increasingly remind them of him. And so righteousness is, and then truth. Uh, in an age in which truth seems to be up for grabs and, and, and subject to media manipulation and fake news and made up facts and all of those kinds, we can't, we, we can't participate in that. We've gotta be people of truth. Uh, we have to be people of truth even when it's inconvenient to us. We can't cling to lies simply because it gets us further along politically or in, in, in terms of our vision of what the, we, 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 we can't do that. You will never accomplish kingdom outcomes in non-kingdom's ways. So he says, if you want the kingdom to come, there's only one way to do that. Goodness, righteousness, integrity, truth living that supports truth telling Right, And then of course he's in another place gonna say that love is finally the characteristic that enables all of these things to be accomplished. To learn to live as children of light. To learn to find out what pleases the Lord in any given situation and circumstance. And, and recognize that your primary witness to a, a challenged world is not gossip. It, it's not outrage on, on Instagram. It, 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 it's not any, any, no, no. Let the light that shines through you expose the darkness elsewhere. That's what he's saying. He, he says, we're not gonna talk about what people do in the dark. That's none of your business. It's best just to remain naive about some of that. There's a bunch of stuff happening in the world today you just don't need to know about. Let your life be so aligned to the light and life of Christ that that radiates out a life of integrity, a life of righteousness, a life of goodness, and thereby, without you having to point it out, reveals the stuff that's in the dark so that it can not be a source of shame, but through which the light now can start to shine in and through that darkness revealed as well. It's, it's genius. The system works because uh, otherwise we get caught up in judgmentalism. Anybody really good at that? Just to one or two of us? Will, thanks, I'm glad you're here, bro. Uh, I was wondering if I'd be all alone. Um, because our judgment turns to condemnation, doesn't it? And we feel, we feel good about ourselves because we found somebody worse than us. Brothers and sisters, that's not what he's calling us to. He's calling us to live lives shaped by, formed by, informed by the light, and let that light reveal the darkness without our having to get into the deep weeds of other people's darkness, right? So he invites us into that, and, 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 and that's why he says, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead. You've been, you've been raised from the dead. I, I, I was thinking about this earlier this week, that Lazarus had a choice. When Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth, Lazarus could have said, no, I like it here. Nobody asked Lazarus, right? And, and, and he just knew he was gonna have to do it again. Maybe he, it was good enough the first, I don't know. But I, I'm thinking, and here's, here's the, this is a silly way to get there. You can choose not to be raised from the dead. 
Christ has made provision for you not to live dead anymore. And you can say no, maybe not to everything, but just the treasured darkness and death that you like, like I do. Anybody have a few favorite sins that you'd just as soon not be redeemed just yet? Later, I mean like three minutes before Christ comes back would be fine. But in the short term, I really like my, and Paul is saying, you might not want to be woke, but at least wake up. It's time to start to notice the brokenness in the world and the ways that we have of undermining what God is doing in the world. So wake up, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you so that there is this full awareness. And the reason he does this is because whatever else Jesus' people do, they don't ignore the darkness. They don't pretend it's not there. Faith is not about denying reality. Faith lives fully grounded in reality. And so he invites us into that same awareness. And then with that awareness, he says, now, be careful how you live. Pay attention. You, 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 you have an option here. You can live as unwise or as wise. Paul is using his training as a rabbi to use these two kind of two ways tradition of wisdom literature in the Old Testament. The summation of Old Testament wisdom is very simply this. If you don't, uh, 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 change direction, you're going to end up where you're heading. That's it. That's it. Now, the good news is you can change direction. But so if you're heading in a direction you don't like, repent. That's what that word invites. So don't live as unwise, but live as wise. Remember, for Paul, the language of wise or fool is a technical term. A fool is the one, Psalm 14, uh, who has said in his heart, there is no God. Now notice, says in his heart. He can say all of the things with his mouth that makes him or her fit in in a crowd like this, but if you live in your heart as if there is no God, as if your life is fully in your hands, as if it's up to you to redeem everything, Paul says you're a fool. You're, you're living in a universe that is passing away and will be replaced by the new paradigm of the kingdom come. Don't be foolish. Live with wisdom. Live with, with, with an awareness of, of, the, of the deep work. Why? Well, because the days you live in are evil. Can I get a witness? I mean, you, 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 it's not rocket science. Just look around. And I, I don't know, I'm not a prophet, I'm not the son of a prophet, but as I look at 2024, it doesn't hold much promise for getting better. Uh, throw a dart at whatever your cause du jour is, and, and whether it's worldwide uh, uh, war, or our political landscape, or integrity in Washington, or Sacramento, or wherever it is, I don't see an improvement on the horizon here. And Paul says, what are you going to do about that? Well, let's just wring our hands in anxiety and work. No, he says, live as wise. Don't live as fools. Don't live as if, as if this evil day is all there is. In fact, now that you have been raised from the dead, now that you are learning to live in the light, I want you to be a carrier of light. I want you to become a, 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 an ambassador 
of hope. I want you to become a representative of the king who is coming. And here's how I want you to do that. He invites us into this uh, to, to, to make the most of every opportunity. Now that little phrase, Paul is playing around with the language a little bit. We've talked about this in other times and places, but there are two words in Greek for, for time. One is chronos, chronology, a sequence of events. Chronos clicks along at about 60 beats a minute. There's not a whole lot you can do about it. It's completely and utterly unmanageable. You cannot manage time. Uh, every semester I get at the end of the semester students that say, would you please pray for me for my time management? And my response is no, <laughs> I will not because you can't manage time. It's anchored in the rotation of the earth and even my prayers aren't good enough to make any difference of that. So, so here's what I will pray. I will pray that you learn how to manage yourself in time. That's, that, that's an answerable prayer. And, and, but do you see what I'm trying to do there? Is this chronological sequence of events, it's gonna click along, there's not a whole lot you can do about it. The other word that Paul uses here is chronos. This, I, or excuse me, kairos, this crisis, this, this breaking in awareness that heaven is breaking in. Don't live as unwise, don't live as foolish, learn how to tell time. Is it chronos, one sequence of events after another, one damn or one blessed thing after another? Or is it kairos? Heaven is breaking in. God is on the move. There's a spark of the kingdom that is beginning to flourish. Don't, don't miss it. And Paul says, you can be people who redeem time. You can, you can not just make the most of every opportunity for yourselves, but you can start to redeem, buy time back that might otherwise have gone down the drain of history. You can redeem it and offer it up. You can do that as people who have learned how to walk in, in the light and walk in, 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 in the life. And of course, that we do this in the same way that Jesus did, letting love be the triumphant way that he mo moves forward. So as we learn how to, how to live in a way that pleases the Lord, I wanna live in a way that Jesus is proud to be associated with me. That's what Jesus' people do. And, and so Paul, how do we do that? And he says, well, first of all, don't get distracted. Don't medicate your pain. Don't waste your misery. He, the shorthand here is don't get drunk. What he's after there is the ways that we get distracted from the current moment, that we get pulled out of the place. And that the problem with that, of course, is that the only place you'll ever meet God is in your own life right now. So if you're not there, you miss him. God, there is no future for you in God. There's just a now. So if you're anxious in the now about the future and the then and you're using the energy that he has given you for the now to worry about the then, guess what? You don't have enough energy for the now that is available to you and you have no control or power over the future either. So you've just frittered away the resources that God has given you for the now in anxiety about a future that will never occur. 
So he's, he's saying, don't, don't get distracted. And whether it's wine or, or some other intoxicant or some other way of, of, I mean, we have all kinds of ways of distraction, don't we? All kinds of ways of not showing up in our own lives. And Paul says, the first thing you got to do is show up. Don't get distracted. That just ends up in the ditch of your life. He calls it dissipation. Your life just floods out over the, over the landscape as if it had no, no boundary, no, 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 no container. So don't do that. Instead, be being filled. The verb tense here is this ongoing sense of being filled with the Spirit. Be being filled with the Spirit. This ongo- and, and of course, what he's echoing here is the Genesis 2 story of creation where God breathes into us the breath of life. You remember, you were there. You were there. And that very same breath of God breathes through your lungs now. But here's the deal, oh, take a deep breath. Just take one. Just, uh, what are you pressed into doing? Having inhaled, we exhale. That's what he's saying. Breathe in and then breathe out. Why? Because now what's next? Breathing in again. You see how we learn to tell time. We have this immediacy of the infilling of the very breath of our life that we are invited, a being filled with. So as you go into your classroom in, in, in a couple of weeks, as you answer the phone, be being filled with the spirit. As you sit down with an employee or employer, be being filled with the spirit. Learn how to tell time. The days you're living in are evil, but you're an agent, an ambassador of righteousness, of goodness, of truth. So being filled with the spirit enables us to be kingdom people, to be Jesus people, in those spaces. And one of the ways you can do that, he says, is by speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. The shorthand for that is worship. So what we do here on Sunday morning is not the end all, my hope is, it's not the end all of your worship for the week. I hope it's a launch that sets us into orbital velocity of worship, that invites us into this regular um, uh, conversation with the goodness of God that celebrates who he is. I, I, need, I need the songs that we sing sometimes repetitively on a Sunday morning to get into the, my, my, my soul, to create this earworm of worship that in the middle of the night I wake up and I find myself time after time after time, haven't you? with a song that show, where does that come from? It comes from being part of a community that sings the songs that sink in. Some of those songs for me come from 50, 60 years ago where, where my church pulled out the hymn book and we sang through all four verses and repeated the chorus multiple times. Why did we do that? Because there's gonna be a time in the middle of the night when you're gonna need a song in the night. Where's that gonna come from, do you think? Paul says, be being filled with the Spirit, speak to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. This is the discipline, the practice of worship sets us up to partner with the Spirit who is breathing into and through us. He gives us in that then the capacity to lean into life as it is. And this is the hard part. This is the hard part. He says, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. 
Do you hear that? Not just in everything, but for everything. Lift up your disappointments with thanksgiving. Lift up your prayers that were answered no with thanksgiving. Lift up your losses with thanksgiving. Now this is really challenging for us, but how else do you plan to redeem them? If, you don't offer, if we don't offer them up with thanksgiving, they still remain in our hands and now it's up to us to redeem them. Good luck with that. We're not good at redeeming. We're not even really good at redeeming the joys and the celebrations. So offer up your joy with thanksgiving. Offer up your celebration with thanksgiving. Offer up the prayers that were answered in the way that you hoped with thanksgiving. But don't waste your pain. Lean into it. Move towards the darkness. Let your light illumine that darkness by, by taking all of the things, he says, that happen in your life and offering them up with thanksgiving in the name of Jesus. Because he is, remember the story. He is able to raise the dead. Remember those things that have died in you? That have been crushed and killed? Offer them up with thanksgiving. Don't get stuck in the grave of what has been. Offer it up. Who knows what God, maybe he'll raise the dead in that moment. Maybe he will. Maybe he'll just do something entirely new. God is not exhausted in his creative capacity. C.S. Lewis said the prayer that God hates to answer affirmatively is encore. Do it again. Do you think that God has exhausted the ways that he can renew and redeem your life? That he's, oh man, that last one, I, that just took it all out of me. I got nothing left. I'm so sorry. I really wish I could redeem this thing you just screwed up, but I can't. See what you can do with it. No. No. When we offer it up with thanksgiving, the creative capacity of God to redeem all things is brought to bear in the middle of your mess. And he invites you now to partner with him in that in that act of redemption. It, thanksgiving becomes then this on-ramp to hope that God is up to something and I wanna be part of that. I don't want him just to bless my mess. I wanna join him in what he's doing. Then Thanksgiving takes the handles off of the controls of my life, offers it up and leaves me with empty hands to receive the new that God might be up to. You see what he's inviting us into? It's a way to redeem time. It's a way to align ourselves with the deep reality of the universe. That God is good and is up to good. And that um, anything I might believe about God that is not good is not true. A.W. Tozer said the thing you think about, what you think about God is the most important thought you have. So just note to self, don't believe anything bad about God because it'll set you sideways. So he invites us into this rhythm track of grateful awareness, this playlist of gratitude. If you can't do it for the thing, at least begin to do it in the thing. I think you will discover, however, and many of you could testify to this because we've had conversations along these lines, that if you just give it a little bit of time, you realize that that thing 
that you took in the moment as the worst thing that could have possibly happened becomes an occasion of authentic thanksgiving because you realize the door was opened. A new opportunity was birthed in that dying. And then he says, submit yourselves to one another in the fear and reverence of Christ. You cannot do this journey alone. And he invites us into the partnership with the Spirit but also the partnership with one another. This word of submission, submission has gotten a bad rap. It just means align yourself in support of other people. Whether your marriage, this is not about who's in charge or who leads, that's just silly. Jesus is the leader. The rest of us are not. And he leads through various people at various times. So, so whoever, it's, it's not about gender. It's not about age. Sometimes he says a child will lead them. If you don't learn to submit yourself to children, you're going to be off wandering around in your own because it's a child that will lead them. Do you, do you see what he's up to here? He's recalibrating the way the universe uh, back to the way it's supposed to work in the first place and invites us then to share in singing and making melody in your heart eventuates into public celebration and worship and a, and a mutual alignment in which we do life together. So there, here's the strategy as we live in, 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 the, in the boundary between 2023 and 2024. Uh, it, it's going to be a good year because God is up to great good. There will be bad things that happen because the days we live in are still evil. What are you going to do about those? Paul gives us a strategy. Redeem them. That's what you're going to do with them. Especially when they happen to you and you have hands-on experience with not wasting pain or the pleasure of the day. Amen? Amen? Oh, Lord, we need some help with this because this is one of those that uh, we're not unclear on. Um, we recognize what we're invited into, and we want to join you in the redeeming of all things. We want to join you in this work of, of restoration. We pray that your kingdom would come. We pray that your uh, will would be done in us, but also through us. I pray that our lives would increasingly be characterized by goodness, by righteousness, by integrity. And I pray, O oh Lord, that as we start to live this way, as we start to redeem the time that is in our hands, that will spread, that will viralize into our broken world, and that your light would continue to push back the darkness as inevitably it will. We ask this, Lord, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. For more information, go to garden.church. God bless you.